Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and on social media. Welcome to episode 218 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am joined once again by the wonderful Katie. How are you doing, Katie? I'm a little tired. <laughs> you are a little tired, <laughs> but but for fun reasons. That's that's you know something. Oh, yeah. Uh, why don't Why don't you go first with your weekly geekery so you can uh, <laughs> tell us what you've been up to? Oh, um, well, the reason I am very tired is that last night. Well, not really last night. More like wee hours of the morning. Um, was a K-pop online concert that I wanted to watch um, mm-hmm. for a group called Tomorrow by Together or TXT. Um, it was their very first solo concert ever, so it was slightly heartbreaking that they had to do it online with no fans mm-hmm. present. It was pretty sad. They were trying really hard not to cry at the end, and I was just oh, like, I please bet. don't. I was like, please don't cry. <laughs> I'm a sympathetic crier, so if somebody cries, I cry. Right, right, right. Um, but it was really good. They like they did such a phenomenal job. They're a pretty young group. I think the youngest the youngest member of the group was born in like 2002, so they're babies. Yeah, and like the oldest one is not that much older. All right, so we're talking like tweens. Well, they're if you go by their Korean age, they're like 20. It's very different how they count age in Korea. Like when mm-hmm. you're born, you're already one. And then when the new year hits, you age a year. So they're already like two before they're like in the United States. It would be like one years old. Gotcha. Um, so they're like, they're like 20. Um, but it was really funny because uh, I have a really close friend that I made because of K-pop um, that lives in England. She did our cover art for uh, You Can't Stop Me Loving K-pop. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so she and I have become like very close. We've never met in person, nothing like that, Like, but we're very close. And so because of the pandemic, which has forced all, at least the majority of K-pop concerts to be online, mm-hmm. um, they always do their concerts at like really late at night for me (laughs) um, because of the time difference. But what it has allowed is for us to like attend concerts online together. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, she was watching the show last night. So we usually like text each other while Mm -hmm. we watch the show and talk about it. And then um, we're going to watch the BTS one that's towards the end of the month. Uh, But it's been nice to be able to like, concert with her even though like it's not in person and our goal is to like go to a concert together in person at some point yeah she i offered to try to buy her a bts concert ticket this Mm -hmm. week and she goes i she looked up flights (laughs) like immediately because it's not like (laughs) the bts concert that's going to be in la is in like next year it's like november (laughs) Right, right. It's coming up. Yeah, so it's very soon. And uh, she was looking at it and she goes, oh, she was like, I could totally do this. She's like, but I don't know if the travel restrictions will be lifted. Right. Um, where, and where does she live again? She lives in the UK. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're still restricted from traveling to the United States. Like they're not allowed if they've spent 14 days or more in the UK and she lives there. So. Right. Um, well, there's- I had a, I had a, um, 
mm-hmm. when when the quarantines first started, I had a sub who um, they assigned to my class because I had been re- very sick at the beginning of COVID with not COVID. Um, but <laughs> her her fiance lived in the UK, mm-hmm. and she she got stuck here, and he got stuck there. Oh no! And the whole plan was this: the summer of twenty twenty, she was going to move out and go to grad school in the UK. Yeah. And that just like completely ruined <laughs> all of that. So that's a lot of like what Chelsea is going through with like her husband. Cause her husband's still in Ireland and she's here. Oh no. I didn't realize that they didn't come over together. No, they weren't able to. So like when her visa ended, uh, the option was to either like come home or spend the money to extend her visa. And they were mm-hmm. like, no, we want to move to the United States. So they didn't, but she had to come home. So. Um, oh no. Yeah. He's been trying, like it's, it's all because of like COVID and then the process, but like they're very close. They're much closer in the process than they were before. And him being able to like immigrate over mm-hmm. and, uh, the travel restriction from the UK to the United States is supposed to be lifted in November. Okay. Um, but like my friend was like, I don't know if I want to like pay the money for a concert ticket and then find out I can't go. Right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. It's an expensive ticket to like, and that's even barring that I even get tickets. Cause the possibility of me not getting a ticket is very real. So. Right. Right. I, I imagine it falls in line with like, comic-con and other things like that where it's like everybody's staking it out (laughs) it's literally terrifying i have pre-sale on wednesday and then i signed up for pre-sale on thursday and friday but i don't know if i got thursday friday so i want to go so that's how bad i want to (laughs) go but anyways um the txt concert was really good they are phenomenal they're become one of my favorite groups and they had the Last year's uh, like number one song for me was like their song, like one of their songs. So oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my roommate and I went down to Newport Beach yesterday to go to this like Halloween thing at like some nursery farm place, and it was like expensive and disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! As most things are in Newport Beach. I feel like that was me and uh, Roswell when we were coming back from our trip. We stopped oh in God, Roswell because yeah. I was so excited. And it was just like everything I hoped it would be. It was not. Uh, <laughs> it's really because like the pictures online of this like Halloween curio curiosity thing that we went to, like mm-hmm. looked really cool. And then you walk in and you're like, Okay. <laughs> and you're like and then and then you get to the point where it's like even if they do have like a one cool thing like you're you're so bitter on the entire experience you're like yeah, yeah. it's fine it's, it's fine and then you start picking stuff up you're like oh this is really cute how much is this you're like oh it's 60 putting it down <laughs> <laughs> because it was like the smallest thing was like i think the cheapest thing was like a cement hand candle holder which was 8.99 which and you I was can like, make yourself very easily. Yeah, probably. Um, and then there was like a bunch of other stuff that was like really cool. And I was like, oh, this would be super cool. Like we should get, nope, putting that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ended up buying my sister like some Christmas presents because she's, or not Christmas presents, birthday gifts because she's really mm-hmm. into like gardening and stuff. 
didn't know that the tiny fairy gnome chair thing that I was buying was eight ninety nine. But it was oh, too wow. late. It was too late at that point. I was committed at the register. He like beeped it, and I was like, "What the? <laughs> Never mind. I'll just I'll just get it. Just don't look at the price." But yeah, happy birthday, my sister. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then last night I I canceled my subscription to Stars so that I could sign up for Paramount Plus so I could finish watching the last three seasons of Criminal Minds. Oh, nice. Yeah. And also, and also, World War Z. Was that on there? Yeah, that's on Paramount Plus. Oh well, I didn't cancel that. Um, per, that uh, I didn't start that subscription soon enough to realize that and paid a whole dollar ninety nine. Oh no! To watch the <laughs> unrated, um, uncut version of this movie. Um, didn't really notice any differences. So, but it was a dollar ninety nine, so it was fine. Yeah, wasn't like yeah. wasn't like gonna, I mean, I spent eight ninety nine on a tiny fairy chair. I'll send you a picture of how big it is. It's like tiny, so a dollar ninety eight nine ain't gonna break the bank. <laughs> this is so uh, bad. Sorry, <laughs> this is what I'm spending my raise on. Um, uh, <laughs> tiny fairy chairs. Anyways, uh, what did you do this week? Um, I I didn't do a lot. I had I had such a week. Katie. <laughs> I mean, legit same. It's been bad. Like, I don't know if it was like a full moon or if the Santa Ana's were blowing or what it was, but it was just a bad week and was busy and there was a lot of work stuff and a lot of social obligations that like, not the good ones, not the ones where you're like, Oh yeah, you get to hang out with friends. It's the like, Oh, I get to go. <laughs> so, so Matt is the, um, the president of a writer's guild out here in Palm Springs. And he does a great job with them. And they are, um, he's trying to get the membership more involved and do fun things with them. But the men, the membership is like 11 D <laughs> it's, it's, it's an aging membership. So he's started these things called, um, um, midweek midweek mingles, and oh. they are on Wednesday, Wednesday evening. We go to a bar somewhere and we hang out, and the little guys and gals, you know, teeter in, <laughs> get their drinks. And they're very sweet, very nice people, and it's very like it's not it's not stressful, it's not unenjoyable, but it's like that one extra thing you don't really need to add to your schedule. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh my um, god, that's both precious and sounds exhausting. Th- that's a, that's a great way of explaining it. It's like it's like you really just appreciate. You know, old people can be really fun because they've got all these stories and all these experiences, and these are all writers, so they're all about telling stories and telling about their experiences. Um, but sometimes you get the same story multiple times. <laughs> sometimes they go on a little long. <laughs> You know, you know, expected. it happens exactly. So you know, but it was like, but it's like those kind of social obligations where it's like it's they're not terribly unpleasant. They're just that extra thing you don't need this week, and um, and so I didn't really get to do anything until um, well Thursday night. Matt stayed out by work because he had a meeting early in the morning on Friday, 
and I watched, I've been watching a little bit of Ragnarok. I'm trying to remember what I watched Thursday night, but it was something new. It was something I hadn't watched before. I'll have to try and remember. But then um, I played hooky on Friday. So I'm just <laughs> done with scoring. <laughs> just done. And uh, uh, so played hooky Friday. And then yesterday, while Matt was at his meeting, I watched um, World War Z. I got through that. And then I started watching Van Helsing. Have you seen the TV series Van Helsing? I was like the movie with the really bad movie with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I've no. seen that, but no, <laughs> I mean, most people have seen that one. Um, no, I haven't. I think I watched like an episode or two of it. It's on, it was on sci-fi, right? Yeah. It's an interesting concept. It's like, um, it's basically a zombie movie, but instead of zombies, they're vampires. And Van Helsing is Vanessa, Vanessa Van Helsing. And um, she has the power, like her blood turns vampires back to humans. Interesting. So, so really, since we've been talking about zombie horror, it's a very different take on the zombie trope. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. And while I was watching that, I finished up our What Is Not merch. <gasps> yeah, you did. I'm very excited about it. I'm very happy with how it turned out. I... I'm debating on buying a hoodie because mm-hmm. I want one. Um, or a t-shirt. I'm not sure. Does it come on mugs? Do we get a mug? Is mug an option? I think I think we can get a mug. If it's not an option, we can always say, hey, Alencia, get this mug. <laughs> uh, I also kind of want to make it a print so I can hang it in my office. Yeah, I, I, it's fun. I can always give you the the file if you want to just like print it out. <laughs> Me prints it out on like a on a, uh, eight by ten sheet of just white paper and hangs it up. Look, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can get fancy paper at the at the Staples. Oh my god, I could <laughs> card stock. Ooh, yeah, or that fancy like linen can. Uh, canvas paper i could take it to the staples and have them print it on a 20 by 20 foot canvas oh my god <laughs> i'm kidding i was kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding i don't have anywhere to put that come on <laughs> i love the fact that it's not that that it would you know be you know a re- ridiculous thing to have in your house it's that you don't have a place to put it <laughs> i don't i don't have anywhere to put something that large <laughs> I mean, I have this big giant piece of empty wall above my closet, but I think that's too big. Also, that would require a ladder. My apartment has vaulted ceilings. We're special. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I was very proud of that. I, I, you can find um, the image on our As the Dice Roll Twitter and our Instagram and um, basically, since we're playing the Monster of the Week, which is very Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural-esque, um, and we make a lot of Scooby-Doo references, um, we, we put all the characters in the Scooby van, and it's, I'm very happy. I'm very happy how it turned out. I'm still dying that you chose the 
the because like we were in the white van or whatever and then mm-hmm. it's like actual repairman crossed out osha <laughs> it looks very <laughs> official well i mean because i just it was such an iconic for me i image in my mind when <laughs> drew was describing how uh how he was redoing the the paint job <laughs> To, to disguise who they were. I'm dying. Like the whole, I don't even know what's happening in that, in that podcast anymore at this point. So much ridiculous amazingness. And the only thing that matters is that Bruce, the zombie exists. My project this week is to go back and listen to the episodes okay. and find the songs that he um, plays when he's doing his interpretive dances oh and turn God. them into a Spotify playlist. <laughs> so that you so that you two can experience the because uh, I can't I can't include them in the podcast itself so this yeah. way you can listen along <laughs> like pause it play play the playlist and uh, experience what we all get to experience so you too can be in the actual repairman slash OSHA van <laughs> along with us and have it not be weird or creepy at all he he always breaks out with like one line of whatever song he's his character because so those of you who have no idea what we're talking about we're doing a an actual play over it as the dice roll and i'm the the keeper which is the dm of uh, monster of the week campaign and katie is one of the players yep and we have a character in there played by drew uh called bruce the zombie and he's just this really nice really sweet cartoony zombie guy and he doesn't talk because he he, i guess his vocal cords are rotted out or something but he instead will like pantomime or text people on his phone but his favorite way of communicating is through interpretive dance and so (laughs) he'll just say and then he explains that using his interpretive dance to enya Okay. <laughs> it it is literally the most ridiculous mishmash of like people together just trying to solve a mystery and it just sometimes just doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> the rules I don't think I've ever been in a campaign of anything where the rules can take the, the game in such a weird weird direction (laughs) i have zero like life experience to add to this so like this is my very first time ever doing anything like that and like there was always i think there was like a couple episodes or whatever where we where we're playing and i'm like what are you people doing (laughs) (laughs) and they're just like what and I'm like, there was a while where I think every episode has you saying, "What? What is even happening right now?" <laughs> I'm the, I'm the, I'm the Kevin, the Kevin Tran of this, of this uh, series. Just like in Supernatural, where he's like sitting there hugging the angel tablet, and he's just like, "What is happening?" <laughs> and he becomes a prophet of the Lord. For anyone who hasn't seen Supernatural, he becomes a prophet of the Lord. His name is Kevin, and he has a very great gif of him yelling what is happening because he doesn't understand. <laughs> I want I want the the gospel according to Kevin. I think that's a great. Oh, it was pretty good. Kevin was a great character on that show. Have you have you read the the gospel according to Biff? Do I even 
want to read that. Oh my god, it's hilarious. What's the guy's name? Christopher Moore um, is the author, and it's basically this like lost gospel from the Bible of um, the gospel according to Biff, uh, Jesus's best friend. And he was written out of the the Bible because he was so un-PC. And so it's like, he's, you know, those, those years between um, the temple when he's 12 and when he comes back at 33. And uh, so it's those, those years. And he's telling you all about like his, his misadventures with his pal, Jesus. Sorry, I immediately thought you were talking about Biff from Back to the Future, and I was like, I don't know if I want to read that, but apparently oh, I no, was no, no, incorrect no. in my... And I, f- um, I, I forget what the character's actual name is, but the reason why they call him Biff is it's the sound that is made when his mom cuffs him on the back of the head, because she does that constantly, because he's always doing stupid things. Yeah. And my cat is leaving, because he's tired of listening to me talk. He's like, good. <laughs> I'm out of here. Bye. That's fine. So yes, highly, highly recommend that book. It's hilarious. Hi. Um, very, very sacrilegious, but that's okay. Sometimes you need that in your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the zombie of World War Z. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. And we're back, and uh, we are talking about World War Z the book and World War Z the movie, both of which are completely different animals. Yep. They share a name. That's it. (laughs) That's basically it. And a couple of, like, plot points that are in the background but have nothing to do with the actual actual plot of whatever you're reading or watching. Um, So, first, I have to apologize I forgot that there is a six-hour audiobook and a 12-hour audiobook, and I very much pre- uh, appreciate the people who went back <laughs> and and listened to both because um, the 12-hour one is really good, um, but the six-hour one is because Max Brooks didn't have the funding to do the full thing, so it was kind of like a, a pilot to say, hey, look what we could do with this if we really gave it a shot, and then called in all his favors from his dad's uh, actor friends and Hollywood contacts. And that's how he got the first one, and it was such a success that they made the full one. So that's why. <laughs> that's why it's there. 
So sorry about that. Yeah, you should apologize. Send me $15 to pay for the fact that I had to pay for two books. <laughs> I I will I, I don't know that I will send you direct, but I will I will try and make it up to you with uh something. You can buy me an alcoholic beverage the next time I see you. I think that's a good trade-off. Uh but yeah. <laughs> okay, so um anyway, so we listened to the audiobook, which is like star studded. Um Max Brooks, Steve Park. Nathan Fillion, Paul Servino, Carl Reiner, mm-hmm. um, Martin Chris Scorsese, Simon Pegg, Denise Crosby, Bruce Broxleiter, um, Henry Rollins, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. I, he was the only one I could just like. Him and Alan Alda could totally oh, yeah. like pick out immediately. Yeah, as soon as Alan Alda started talking, I was like, mm, no, that voice. Yeah. Uh, Rob Reidner. Uh, I'm just taking the ones that like stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, John Turturro. Alfred Molina. Yeah, like it's just like, uh, I never know how to say his name. Rene Abergenois, I think. The guy who played um, Odo in uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I'm a Star Trek geek. Um, so yeah, so the the audiobook is a full, full blown, star studded event. Um, before we get into like the history and how it got put together and what happened between this and the movie and all that stuff, what did you what did you think about the book? Um, it's slightly terrifying how much a lot of what was talked about coincides with our current um, lives. Yes, because this was published in 2006. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like, it was interesting because I was like, they talk about people taking a vaccine that's not something that works which I thought was kind of interesting, but it was a, you know, it's like, I kind of see why people, um, why the conspiracy theories are out there because it's not something you would put past drug companies. Yeah. There's because there's been several, like not just this book, but like other movies in the past that have had like, um, cause what is it? There's a, there's a movie with Jude law called side effects. Mm-hmm. Where he was like peddling, he was like basically like a snake oil salesman, like peddling some sort of like vaccine or whatever that he said worked on him, but he never actually had the illness Mm -hmm. or whatever that was turning people. Um, So he was getting people to like give him a bunch of money and take this fake thing and then die. So it's really not like surprising that it was super easy for people to form conspiracy theories when there's like some people believe that movies really give like a real life look into uh into life and i'm like no it's 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 not real <laughs> Kids. well I've, I've told you one of the things that I, when I searched um when i was doing research for the night of the living dead um i i like one of the search things that came up was is night of the living dead real <laughs> no kids no, 
I, you feel like they would have talked about a zombie apocalypse. Like, like that's not just something we would like brush over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, they, they're hiding all that history. It's no. all conspiracies. Yeah. It's all conspiracies. It's on, it's on area 40, 80 area 51 with the aliens. Yes. Yes. And they have, they have one zombie there. Yep. Just one. Just, just, yeah. Just for, just for, you know, research purposes. No, he's parking enforcement, obviously. <laughs> so sorry. There's a listener who does parking enforcement for a living who's like, I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry to the one person that is parking <laughs> enforcement. I appreciate you and you work hard at your job. Thanks. Give out them tickets. <laughs> Tow them cars. You got it. Um. So, yeah. So, uh. It's a it's it's an interesting take. Well, the thing I like about it, and it's the only place I've ever seen um, this in any zombie fiction ever, is it goes into the worldwide effects of a zombie apocalypse. Like, it's not just how did it affect this town or this city or this house. Like, it's how did it affect the world? They even talk about what happens to the people on the the. Um, International Space Station. Yeah. It's because it's naive to think that something is like a zombie apocalypse, like to the extent of like what this goes into would not be worldwide, like how it would affect the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone would have a different experience, right? From like someone who lives in Greece to someone who lives in India. Like it's different depending on where you're from. Um, uh, and we've seen this with the pandemic. Like we've seen how it oh, yeah. affects different people and how different governments do different things where where uh like New Zealand is like stay home. Nobody nobody leave. Just stay home. <laughs> they did it for 2 weeks and I think they've had like 8 cases. <laughs> I think that's they, it. It really shows you what is and isn't effective. Who is and isn't compliant and mm. how they respond to compliance like in australia they do lockdown as well anytime there's an outbreak Mm -hmm. um i have some friends who live there and uh i did see one where like they were in the middle of lockdown and this person uh was under quarantine orders and they decided to leave their house to go to mcdonald's and they got pulled over by the police and they were like so you broke quarantine for McDonald's? Well, guess what? You're going to follow me to a quarantine facility and you're going to stay there because you possibly, you obviously can't be trusted to stay at home. Oh, wow. So that's what they were doing is they would just like take you to a quarantine facility, like a hotel. I say facility, like they're like locking them up in like bunkers or whatever. No, they they take mm-hmm. them to like a quarantine hotel and they have to stay there for two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, and they also get a giant fine for breaking quarantine. Was, was, was McDonald's even open? Like if everybody's under quarantine, <laughs> I know it was one of the I don't, I don't know, but apparently it was worth it to break it for them chicken nuggies. So whatever. So people forget that places like Australia and America, um, when they were colonized, were colonized by criminals <laughs> and crazy people. <laughs> uh, yeah, we. Uh, I've heard some really great. I had a really great. Like I think I read a really great story about like why. America kind of is the way it is because uh, you can't possibly not have a country full of violence that wasn't uh, when it was founded on violence. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just sort of like commentary for how 
people are the way they are here uh, because they started out that way. <laughs> yep. So. So, yeah. Um, Great. Yeah, this this book goes into all sorts of different things. They talk about how, like, the the – the, there's a nuclear war between Iran and Pakistan. There's a um, Israel just shuts everything down and locks, like they put up a wall and they're like, we're done. We're out mm-hmm. <laughs> later. Um, America does not do well in this at all because they, we're America. We totally got this. We don't got this. <laughs> they weren't doing well before the zombie apocalypse hit. Cause they kept talking about like the brush wars the mm-hmm. brush fire wars or whatever. Um, and so it was already not great going on there. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and like I was looking at just little clicks of the, of the plot summary in Wikipedia mm-hmm. and it's, um, the United States does little to prepare because of its overconfidence and it's in its ability to suppress any threat and the desire not to cause a panic during an election year. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> just oh, uh, he. This is a very well researched book. It, hurt, it <laughs> hurts because it was like ten years before. Like oh, it hurts. Oh my god! Yeah. Ow! Yeah. Like uh, um. So yeah. So there's the you know. It's just it's all these little and here. So here's the here's the way Max Brooks is kind of an amazing person. Uh, he is into um, military, like history, um, not in a weird "we're going to have guns" kind of way, but just kind of in the the way it affects people and the way it, you know, how it how it shapes culture and stuff. And so, one of the big influences of this book is a book called "The Great War," and that was written by. Um, radio personality and essayist Studs Terkel. And the way Studs Terkel wrote this book was, um, I'm sorry, The Good War, An Oral History of World War II. Um, It was published in 1984. And um, Studs Terkel went through and interviewed people from all different walks of life on both sides and, you know, talked to them about the war and what it was like and, what their experiences were. And so therefore tells the whole story of world war two based on basically firsthand accounts of people who lived through it. And so um, Max Brooks was a huge fan of this, uh, loves this book, but also huge George Romero zombie fan. And he wrote the zombie survival guide. That was before basically looked at as a prequel to world war Z. Um, I very much, if you were like a zombie fanatic, I highly recommend you read um, the zombie survival guide, but it is a technical manual. Like it, it will go through, like there's an entire chapter on what type of guns to buy and why. And the, the, um, what is it called? The jam rate of particular guns and why you want certain ones over other ones. And what like, uh, hand-to-hand weapons are best to use. Like it's just it's like this research technical manual on how to destroy or how to survive in a zombie apocalypse. It's kind of nuts. Uh, my brother read that book, and uh, he had a sticker on his car for a while, like related to like 
zombie response. Nice. <laughs> Vehicle or whatever. <laughs> yeah. My brother likes that book a lot. So it's, it's a great book. Um, it's just not for everybody. Although I've had, uh, I got to meet Max Brooks at a comic con a couple years ago mm-hmm. and uh, he's really nice. He's very um, pro teacher. So when I told him that I was an English teacher and that his books, both of them were the most stolen from my classroom, <laughs> I was like, You've, I've spent a lot of money on your books because my keeps, kids keep stealing them because they like them so much. Probably like, um- Thank you. Yeah, he was like, he had just published a, um, and that's why he was there, a comic book about um, World War One that he was pushing. And he was like, yeah, if you want to, if you want to do a lesson on, on this, you know, I'm happy to talk to your class and like really good guy. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And so anyway, so that's how we got World War Z because Max Brooks just like researches the hell out of this stuff and creates all sorts of fun stuff. He also has a, another um, graphic novel out there, which is kind of an interesting take on zombie um, zombie fiction because it's from the perspective of vampires. Hmm. And, and what happens when you're this like immortal vampire and group of immortal vampires and you find out that you're um, – your food source is suddenly becoming zombies and no longer edible. That would be so interesting. It's a really interesting book. It's like, cause it's, it's the same kind of idea of, of um, that you see in world war Z where different groups respond to it in different ways. There's some of them who are like, Oh, well, you know, we've, we've survived so many things and the humans are resilient. They'll be fine. And then, you know, at some point somebody goes, uh, guys, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. What was your, what was your favorite section of like, do you have any favorite stories that came out of the, the book? Um, so there were, probably two that really stood out to me. Um, one was when they were talking to the guy from Pakistan mm-hmm. um, towards the beginning of the book, when he was talking about um, the report that came out of Israel mm-hmm. and how he was just like how long held prejudices like, and uh, like between, between the two countries uh, we're still like, even though they were like leaning towards a zombie apocalypse, like he was just so adamant that it couldn't possibly be true because of where it, the information came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to see just like how, uh, like conflicts between two countries and two ideologies and, um, like two groups of people, like even in a time where like none of that matters because only thing that matters is survival and how you're going to do that um, would keep you from believing something that is clearly true uh, and then keep you from trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was very, it was very interesting, especially like when he was talking about like how his father, who was very docile, was like, either you're coming with us or you're going to die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he was like, he almost became borderline abusive because he didn't know how else to get his son to do what he needed him to do. 
Yeah, because he even made the comment, he was like, when you're 17, you think you understand everything about the world and everything. Um, he was like, I was so wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one was really interesting. And then the other one is the guy who is like the private security for the rich people. Mm-hmm. That one, because legitimately when he was talking and talking about how they had like all of these super rich people, like this one person who owned this like compound or whatever on Long Island. And he was saying that he filled it full of like all of these um, rich people that would make him look good or celebrities. All the Paris Paris Hilton's of the world. Yes. Yes. Um, And stuff like that. And then he was basically like broadcasting it to the world, like through the web and then had the, had the, the literal like, caucasity (laughs) to be shocked when people that are also trying to survive come and storm like this place that they know is safe. Yeah. It's not the zombies that get them. It's the, it's the general public. That's like, that's a safe place. Let's go there. Yeah. Because it was, he, when he was talking about, he was like, I don't understand how like we were going to be able to take care of all these people because every celebrity had an entourage right like a horde of people that were there to take care of them um publicists and staff and security and all that stuff and then i like the moment that the people started breaking in he was like those people had the like just turned on them and joined Mm -hmm. joined the other people to attack them and i was like uh yeah especially when they're just like treated like crap and expected to uh like what he said, um, he goes, I was hired to k- protect them from zombies, not from people. He goes, I'm not shooting people. Right, right. And I love how he has like this like like WTF moment with one of the guy one of the girls, um, one of the women's uh toy dogs, like this little chihuahua. It's yeah. like to- to- totally a purse dog. And <laughs> both of them kind of look at each other like, We're getting the hell out of here. Hell yeah. I mean, <laughs> they were like <laughs> the dog was just like, Nope. I'm out. <laughs> um, it's, it, there are there are quite a few funny moments in this book. Yeah. Um, there's touching moments. There's um, I think my favorite moment is about the the gamer kid in Japan mm-hmm. who has to scale down the building to to try and escape, and uh, you know he he's part of this culture where like every moment that he's not on the internet is a problem. And so Mm -hmm. he doesn't, he doesn't notice that the world is, you know, falling around him until like the power goes out and he can't get into the internet anymore. And um, he, he, he's annoyed. He doesn't notice. He doesn't know why his parents stopped bringing him food because they always just brought him his meals. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, oh, this is an inconvenience. It's taking me away from my computer time. Um, I mean, he's not playing video games. He's like trading all this information about the zombie apocalypse while it's going on. So it's like he's viewing it, but not realizing that he's a part of it. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was a very, a very interesting. I, like that's that's one of the one things that I would like to see. Um, made into a movie or a tv episode or something i think this i think this book needs to be turned into like a netflix anthology series 
it, it would be very interesting because every single person that they spoke to had a different take on how they experienced like what was going on. And like when they talked to the soldier guy who was there at like when the first uh, thing happened, like the big thing, I forgot what city it was in Yorktown. Was it Yorktown? No, uh, no Yonkers Yonkers. When they talked to the guy who was at Yonkers, they were like, they thought they knew what they were like, how to beat them, but they didn't give us enough for like sustainable, like fighting. Cause they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, this will be good enough. But when you don't understand how, what you're fighting works or how it operates, like giving them what you think will work is never going to be actually enough. Because they blame them, right? They blame the soldiers and stuff for not, uh, for the failure at Yonkers and like how it spread. And they're just like, it's not our fault. Like you didn't give us the equipment to like provide satisfactory, like, (laughs) what do you call it? Like response to what was happening. Also, like they had no idea and people panic, right? right? Right. Like, well, one of the one of the problems with that is that they had this new technology where you could see all sorts of things on the battlefield in your like oh yeah your goggles, and so like you would see some guy on the battlefield get eaten by a zombie, and like it just destroyed morale. And then like the one dude yelling about how like he shot one in the head and he didn't die, so then it like. Like they were, cause they were always telling them like headshots are the ones that are going to bring down a zombie. It's not body shots. It's this way. And then for somebody to start like panic yelling, I, I, I did that. And like, he still got up and, and what is it? The, um, the soldier guy was like, he goes, he probably just grazed him and didn't actually like shoot him. But because everybody was panicking, like you don't have like rational thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you're just trying not to die. Right. So, so I loved, I love that. I love the fact that like one of the interesting things is a lot of the, these stories are actually stories that are based on real things. It's just, they didn't happen with zombies. Mm -hmm. Um, The story about the woman who parachutes down behind enemy lines. Mm -hmm. I think that's based on a true story, but of course, you know, it was, she was fighting insurgents or something. It wasn't um, zombies. But um, the woman was like basically talked to talked through surviving by this woman on a radio. And it turns out that woman on the radio never existed. It was all in her head. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, like it's the human mind is very interesting because it will literally do anything to keep itself from like from disassociating from a situation that they're in, but it also mm-hmm. helps them to like, it can disassociate in a way where it helps them survive something like as a defense mechanism. So it's, it's not surprising that like she disassociated herself in a way that like, like she wasn't really dealing with what was in front of her, like consciously where she was like having somebody else, like in her mind, like help her get through it. Um, the, it introduces, two different types of zombies that we haven't really thought of. And they're not zombie. Well, two different threats in a zombie apocalypse that we don't usually see or think about. Mm-hmm. And that's the ferals. And the ferals are basically kids who lose their parents and are forced to survive on their own to the point where they just become like wild children. 
Yes. And then I forget what the name of the the people who thought they were zombies. Oh, I yeah, I don't remember what they're called, but they like basically like act and pretend like they're zombies. Um, yeah, and it's not like they're just like, hey, let's cosplay zombies. <laughs> it's they they have this this psychological disorder where they can't they can't fathom the the situation that they're in. So it's easier to it's kind of like a, a weird Stockholm sy- syndrome type thing. Yeah, where it's like I I don't want to be a victim, so I'm going to be the oppressor. And in this case, the oppressor is a zombie. So they actually kind of make themselves think that they are zombies and they are just as deadly because they're biting people <laughs> and, and causing infections and all sorts of nastiness. I was also leading to like confusion on, on the way that zombies a- attacked, right? Because mm-hmm. you had the people that were, still alive that thought they were zombies and then they would get attacked by a zombie and people thought zombies were eating zombies when that actually wasn't true because right 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 like they were actually like people that had the zombie version of stockholm syndrome (laughs) it's so weird so weird but i mean like again this is well this is well researched and this is i think supposed to be the idea of people siding with their oppressors like in in world war ii yeah it's very much like because uh i mean i have i I have a psychology major right so like Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. i have a degree in psych so i i spent a lot of time like obviously like in that whole world and after world war ii ended uh a a psychology researcher named Stanley Milgram did these uh, uh, obedience studies. And it's like one of the biggest ones that like really showed you like uh, why people did what they were told during world war two. Like, why didn't they? Cause the quick question was like, why did so many people stand by and watch it happen? Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And it's obedience to authority. And that's what he proved because he did a study where he had one person in a room that was attached to an electrocution plate thing on their hand. Right. And the person supposedly had heart issues. And then they had another person in another room who was sitting at a big giant box that had different levels of like current. And then at the very end, the current didn't have like a number. It just had like triple X's. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had one person, uh, one person in a power of authority. It was a dude holding a clipboard, wearing a lab coat. And the person was supposed to ask them memory questions, like uh, to recite words back. And every time they got it wrong, they would shock them and they would have mm-hmm. to go up every single time. And once they would get to a point where they were uncomfortable, like shocking the other person, they would be like, I don't feel comfortable. And the, the experimenter would only ever say the experiment must continue. And, like, mm-hmm. the number of people who went all the way up to, like, this person's probably dead level mm-hmm. is is shockingly terrifying. Because it's a person in – all they are is a person in a lab coat telling them that the experiment must continue and they would keep going. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, it's, like, it's really, like, that's what, like, some of that, that stuff, too, like, really – some of the stuff in this book like leans towards things that were talked about and like discovered because of world war two. So like, even though they have this sort of like Stockholm syndrome thing going on, but they also like they siding with like, it's better to pretend to be like that than to 
live in a reality where everything that I have ever loved or known is completely shattered and uh, being eaten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anybody who I have ever talked to who has read this book has a special place in their heart for the dog, the dog story. Oh, <laughs> like they talk about how they use canine units in the zombie war, which is kind of crazy. Um, I'm trying to think there was one other one that I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Um, we talked about the woman behind enemy lines. Um, Oh, the, the handicapped, um, uh, the guy in the wheelchair who was on basically the neighborhood watch. <laughs> basically yeah. once, cause it's, it's split up into to sections. So I think it's like the beginning, um, the, I know one of them's the great panic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, then there's one that's like the, the turning around or the turning point. And so it's, it, you know, they, they cluster the, the stories by these kind of created time eras. Cause this thing takes over like 10 years. This is, this is 10 years after the zombie war has actually broken out. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's just such an interesting take on just all the different things that people ask about, what would happen in a zombie apocalypse? I don't think there's very much that he does not cover at some point. Um, I just, the, the Wikipedia entry says social commentary reviewers have noted that Brooks uses world war Z as a platform to criticize government, government ineptitude, corporate corruption and human short-sightedness. At one point in the book, a Palestinian refugee living in Kuwait refuses to believe the dead are rising, fearing it is a trick by Israel. Many U.S. characters blame the United States' inability to counter the zombie threat on low confidence in their government due to conflicts in the Middle East. Um, Berg shows his particular dislike of government bureaucracy. For example, one character in the novel tries to justify lying about the zombie outbreak to avoid widespread panic, while at the same time failing to develop a solution for fear of arousing public ire. Um, he has also criticized U.S. isolationism. It's it's scary how much a lot of stuff that's written in this book coincides with what happened last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you literally had people lying, um, the government lying to us or trying to downplay what was really going on uh, to the point where people are so far off the reservation now. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, is that an appropriate phrase still? Like, am I allowed to say that? Probably not. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm so <laughs> but, sorry. But good, but good on you for, for picking it up immediately. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, shouldn't say that. Um, but like people are just so far outside of like uh, what they're supposed to be doing and like how uh, American isolationism and then also that super deeply ingrained individuality, like individualism stuff has really truly like shown just how some of the worst people are that live here. Mm-hmm. Uh, his one of, one of um, Max Brooks quotes in a interview was, I love my country enough to admit that one of our national flaws is isolationism. I wanted to combat that in world war Z and maybe given 
I'd maybe give my fellow Americans a window into the political and cultural workings of our of other nations. Yes, in World War Z, some nations come out as winners and some as losers, but isn't that the case in real life as well? I wanted to base my stories on the historical actions of the countries in question, and it, if it offends some individuals, then maybe they should re-examine their own nation's hi- history. I mean, it really is like, <laughs> I just, it's, it's very upsetting to really see the difference between the way people responded to the pandemic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because some people responded immediately. Some people didn't. Um, and then they completely regretted that decision. Like Italy, for right. example, like they were like, we didn't take it seriously. And then look what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like places like South Korea and New Zealand that it responded swiftly and correctly and really mm-hmm. uh tap down on their outbreak whereas like here just a whole bunch of denial well and it shows like those countries south korea and and new zealand they have a history of looking out for the common good yes which is something that we probably should have here <laughs> but um, we absolutely do not have here like the biggest thing is like i don't know how to explain to people that you should care about other people like i don't know how to explain that to people and that's like that 100% is part of like this book as well it's like how do i explain to you that you should care about what happens to other people <laughs> Like, yeah. don't know, don't know how to explain that because what is it in the book when they talk to the guy who had like the plan, right? Mm-hmm. The two phased plan and, uh, phase two, you were just sort of like, like, I can see what he was saying. Right. And like the people that they couldn't save, cause you can't save everybody. Right. That's, that's clear. And it's, it's asinine to think that you could. Mm-hmm. And but his way of dealing with that wasn't good, right? Right, yeah. Because he's like, anybody that we can't save, we like put them in these like locations and we protect them and feed them and make sure that they survive, but we're using them as live bait distraction so yeah, that the people if, that if, we chose to survive, survive. Yeah. Um one of the things that they talk about in in the book is the they they kind of cement the the way the zombies work and mm-hmm. kind of why they're actually so dangerous and this idea that they're really quiet and you see this a little bit this is another thing that's kind of mentioned in world in the movie mm-hmm. um they're very quiet and kind of docile and dormant if they don't have any stimulus but then um, if you see a zombie or if, if a zombie sees you and starts going after you, it starts to moan and that moan carries the sound carries. And then if it hits another zombie, that zombie starts to moan and all the zombie moaning, it has two effects. One, it is scary as hell to the person that they're hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost like, you know, birds of prey scaring out rodents and it, communicates to other zombies, hey, there's food over here, and that's how you get the zombie swarms. And I always thought that that was kind of a fascinating, like, understanding of how that all worked. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is 
this is well thought out. Well, it's kind of like if you take the thought of like, say, Velociraptors, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not the one you can see. That yeah, it's the, the two that you can't. <laughs> it's the ones that you can't see because like they're pack hunters, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like that with, you know, with wolves and other species that like, obviously that are still around because dinosaurs are extinct. Um, but other species, right. About how they are pack hunters and they have ways of calling to the rest of the rest of them. And so it's not surprising that like one zombie is never just one zombie. Like it's one, then it becomes two, then it's 10 and then it's, you know, a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, overall, I absolutely love this book. It's one of my favorite books just because I feel like it's so well-researched. It's so well thought out. It's so global in its thinking. Um, just, I just, I recommend this book to everybody I meet that has even the slightest interest in zombies. I mean, even if you just have like slightest interest in good storytelling, especially for like an audio book, this is a book to have. The audiobook is so well done. Yeah. So well done. Um, and again, Max Brooks was basically like, um, I really want to make this an audiobook, but I don't want to just have somebody read it. So, hey, Uncle Alan Alda, um, would you read my story as an audiobook for me? <laughs> and like literally he's talked about how that that's how it happened. He went to all his dad's friends and contacts and people that his dad knew in um, Hollywood. Because mm-hmm. Max Brooks is the if if you didn't realize Max Brooks is the son of Mel Brooks, so um, wow, did not realize that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he's the son of Mel Brooks. So the guy who did all the comedy stuff and Blazing Saddles and um, History has, of the World Part you know, One and a couple of connections that, to some people, kind of sorta. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he. So yeah. So that's why he got. That's why he got the the Big first. Names. The first six-hour one done yeah. was kind of as a spec to prove to the publishers that hey, if you if you invest the money in this, I can put together a really awesome audiobook, and uh, and that's how you got the abridged version versus the because I think most of the people on there, I think like Carl Reiner's on there, Alan Alda's on there, all the older mm-hmm. characters are the ones that are in the the first book or you know the abridged version because he was calling in favors. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, like how people go about like trying to uh, uh, spotlight, greenlight, mm-hmm, get their green project, light, yeah. get their project yeah. greenlit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, let me show you, like that's how it happened with like the um, the Greatest Showman, right? Mm-hmm. Where they were like, let us show you how awesome this is going to be, and they were like, oh, just kidding, this is going to be amazing. Let's make this. Yeah. Um, another quote from Max Brooks is, uh, Brooks considers the theme of uncertainty central to the zombie genre. He believes that zombies allow people to deal with their own anxiety about the end of the world. Brooks has expressed a deep fear of zombies. And the quote is, they scare me more than any other fictional creature out there because they break all the rules, werewolves and vampires and mummies and giant sharks. You have to go looking for them. My Attitude is if you go looking for them, no sympathy. <laughs> yeah, but zo- but zombies come to you. Zombies don't act like a predator; they act like a virus, and that is the core of my terror. A predator is intelligent by nature and knows not to overhunt its feeding ground. 
a virus will just continue to spread, infect, and consume no matter what happens. It's mindless. It's the mindlessness behind it. Oh, yeah. Um, That's terrifying. And then he says, the lack of rational thought has always scared me when it came to zombies. The idea that there's no middle ground, no room for negotiation, that has always terrified me. Of course, that applies to terrorists, but it can also apply to a hurricane or flu pandemic or the potential earthquake that I grew up with living in L.A. Uh Any kind of mindless uh, extremism scares me, and we're living in some pretty extreme times. Ah, if only he had, uh, that is very relevant quote for now as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If only he knew, maybe he knew. Did you know something we didn't know, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think again, he just researches well. And so people who have a lot of knowledge tend to be able to predict things, not because like it's, (laughs) it's one of the things I hate about having been an English teacher. Mm -hmm. I almost always know the ending of a TV show or, or movie before it happens just because I can follow the foreshadowing. Yeah. And so like, (laughs) <laughs> sometimes I get Matt, Matt very mad at me. I'm like, I know how this ends. You want me to tell you? <laughs> it's like, uh, no. no. <laughs> and then he's curious. He's like, okay, go ahead. And then it happens. He's like, how did you know that? It's like, yeah, English teacher. Um, the last thing I'm going to say about the book, because we're going to transition to the movie is, um, two things from Max Brooks that he'd said in presentations at Comic-Con one, um, the reason why he finds slow zombies scarier than fast zombies. And I think I've mentioned this on the Mm -hmm. show before is fast zombies. Don't give you time to be scared. Yes. Like you just have to run. And yeah, after you're done, the adrenaline hits and you're like, Oh my God, that was terrifying. But the zombie slow zombies are just out there and they're coming for you. And, and anybody who's been stressed out about a presentation at work or, um, worried about like an altercation with somebody that you think might be coming up on the horizon. No, it's that it's the anticipation that's stressful. It's not the that not necessarily the event itself. <laughs> it's the unknown event that you're slowly creeping towards, and so that's why he thinks uh, slow zombies are terrifying. And I kind of agree with him. I mean, that works for other, like, horror genres, too, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the fast comes after you, like, slasher killer. Like, you just react instinctually, and you, like, try to get away. Versus, like, the slow walking, slow stalking. Because, like, no matter how fast you run, like, he's going to, like, the person's going to catch you eventually. Right, right. So, it's that, like, you have time to think about it. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, is um, I saw a panel he did the year, the summer after World War Z came out, and people mm-hmm. were like, "What the hell? That wasn't the book at all." Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> awkward. And he says, and I completely agree with him. He's like, "I sold them the name of the book, and at that point, whatever they wanted to do with it was their choice." And I just hoped that they would make a good movie because I made my money. And now hopefully they will make, you know, a good movie that is worth my, um, my title. And what he says, and I completely agree with him is world war Z is a really good zombie movie. It just has nothing to do with this book. 
if you completely separate it from the book, it's not a bad movie. Yeah, no, it's a decent. I would say it's a solid zombie movie. It's um, terrifying in a lot of ways, to be honest. Honestly, this is the first one that I've actually been like a little bit like I'm I'm a little bit stressed out by watching this. <laughs> oh, it's just like it's so stressful. Oh my god. So stressful. Um so let's so let's talk about the movie. What did you think? So I I saw this movie in theaters when it came out. And this movie is like it's it's stressful in a lot of ways because it's Especially, like, because you have... So, like, the whole story's being, like... You're following Brad Pitt's character, right? Mm-hmm. And he used to work for the UN. And he, like, was in a lot of combat zones. A lot of, like... Probably into, like, disease outbreak zones and different things like that, right? Like, you don't really get a full glimpse into some of the things that he used to do when he worked for the UN. But, like, you get a pretty good idea the part where he's got his family and they're running. Right. And he's mm-hmm. watching the person who got bit by the zombie or by like whatever's going on. Cause they don't know if it's zombies or not at that point. And he's watching them and the little like bunny thing that he's carrying is counting da- is counting. Yes. And that's terrifying. It took 12 seconds for that person to get bit and become like a zombie rampage monster. Yeah. And so so he he sits there and he he starts counting. He does it two or three times, I think. Yeah. Um to just t- kind of test his theory. And that's why I think this character is supposed to be very good at what he does is because he's always problem solving. He's and, pay attention to the world around him and not just like uh just what's in front of him. He's like watching everything that's happening. Right. So at one point he gets um Okay, we're going to say spoilers because, you know, it's a movie from 2013 and, uh, you know, we warned you. (laughs) So spoilers. Uh, He gets gets some zombie blood in his mouth at one point and he doesn't know if that, again, they don't know what it is yet. Like Mm -hmm. he hasn't even escaped the situation that he's in, but he's seen that it takes, um, you know, about 12 seconds for this thing to take hold. And so he runs they're, they're on the roof of a, a building and he's trying to keep the zombies from coming through the, the roof access door. And when he gets the, the blood in his mouth, he closes the door for the zombies and goes and runs to the edge of the building and counts because if he gets to 10 and starts to turn, he's going to throw himself off the building so that he doesn't hurt his family. Mm-hmm. Like it's such an, like at first you're like, what is he doing? Oh, Oh, that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like it's just these really good moments of this character being very aware and on top of things. It's uh because one of the characters later says something like, sometimes the thing that seems just so not important is really the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And uh that you should follow the breadcrumbs because that's gonna lead you to like the most important aspect. And that's when he remembers that he saw like the zombies running around the old man out in the street or the, the kid in Israel, the one who looked sick, Mm -hmm. right. Run past him and not attack him. So then he was able to be like, huh? He's like, they're not going for people that are like 
terminal or unhealthy, like they're skipping those people. Mm-hmm. Um, which is definitely a different take on zombie related things that they're looking for a healthy live host, which means that the virus itself is thinking. Right. To a point. Um, and it says a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of references to the solution in the opening credits when they like they show you um, wolf packs, um, but when like one is rabid, and then they have um, ants, and I don't know, you know that there is a zombie virus among ants. It's a, um, I want to say it's a fungus. What? That yeah, there's a fungus that takes over and basically zombifies ants. Uh, come on. No, that's I'm not, not real. like like it is totally real. Uh, let me look real fast. Zombie ants? That's terrifying. I already have we're, the problems with zombie ants. Zombie ant fungus is a real thing. Yes. Shut a parasitic up. fungus known known to manipulate the brains of ants. Oh my god, those are so scary. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, do they have these uh, here? That would be terrifying. No, I think they're in like either South America or Brazil. Not well, Brazil is in South America. Um, I am very upset right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a fungus that takes over the brains of zombies of uh, of ants and kind of makes them zombies, basically. That's um, crazy. <laughs> I'm crying inside. The theory is that every species of ant has its own species of fungi that it gets infected by. Oh my, zombie ants. So that's one of the reasons why you see um, ant. There's two reasons why you see um, ants in the opening credits. One, because of the zombie fungus. And two, because the, the zombies swarm. The World War Z zombies swarm, like to the point where they crawl over each other to kind of make these pyramids of zombies to get up onto like higher levels. Like it's not oh. that they can climb. Yeah. It's not that they can climb up um, uh, like ladders and stuff. What they do is they climb on top of each other and that's how they get to higher places. And I do know that I think there are species of ants that have been known to do that to like get over rivers and and stuff like that. Oh yeah. There's um like one of the, I mean, even if you've just seen the movie ants, they do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's real where ants can like swarm together to build structures to help them overcome an obstacle. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so terrifying zombies. Like this, honestly, this is the first time I've been like, okay, I'm going to go get myself some coffee during this scene because it's in the background and I totally know what's happening. So it's all good. (laughs) It's, it's just like, cause it goes from being okay to being just complete and utter chaos. And you have no idea where to go, what to do because you have no idea what's happening. And like how these are superhuman zombies too they Mm -hmm, go from mm -hmm. being like normal people to i am now the hussein bolt of zombies yes (laughs) and and they don't devour you they just bite you 
Yeah, because the point is not to... These are not flesh-eating zombies. These are spread-the-plague zombies. Yeah, and it's it's scary just, like... It's scary because how quickly people turn. Like, how long it it doesn't take to become a zombie. Because, like, remember in, like, past zombie movies, right? Like, you get bit, it takes a while, and, like, you slowly watch that person, like, become a zombie, then they die. Like, no, they get mm-hmm, bit, mm-hmm. and they go from, like person to zombie immediately and then that person starts attacking whatever's near them yeah so it creates that swarm feel like it's it's very well done like the violence in the car chase at the beginning it goes from like there's no problem we're just going to work to what the hell (laughs) and anytime i'm sorry anytime you put children in the mix it becomes even more terrifying in my opinion when the little girl was like, where's my blanket? And I was like, nobody cares about your blanket right now. <laughs> and like when she got out of her seat and like sat on the floor and they're like, put your seatbelt on. I'm like, the child's going to die. And I'm not even like, <laughs> I was like, Spo- I'm be her fault. <laughs> Spo- spoiler alert. The child does not die. No, the children um, do not die. They survive. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is, it is an intense It is an intense movie. It gets really intense when they go to Israel. Right. So like the whole, the whole thing between like for this movie, right. Is that they have this guy who's supposedly going to be the savior of the world. Right. The one who's going to find the vaccine and figure out the origin porn of this virus and stop people from turning into zombies. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they're going to take him to like investigate, but homie so smart thinks he knows everything. Also not so smart because he literally slips on some water and then shoots himself in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really sad death. Um, like, it's, it's an, it's an obnoxiously sad. death. I'm not going to lie. I, when I saw uh, it in the theater, I just like laughed. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's one of those, like, they literally put all their eggs in one basket, right? Like, this guy mm-hmm. is the savior of the human race who literally just slipped on some water uh, while running with his finger on the trigger of his gun and shot himself. <laughs> yeah, and I think the whole point of it was the, um, you know, just, like, all of us, all of us have at some anybody who is who enjoys zombie fiction has t- thought about how they are going to survive. Yeah, the zombie apocalypse, and he's an example of how. No, we're not. <laughs> it's just, no, we're absolutely not. <laughs> like it's just so like because if you don't have any real like experience with guns right like and someone hands you a gun and you're just like i don't know how to use this i'm just gonna handle it how i think i know how to handle a gun and they were like don't put your finger on the keep your finger off the trigger and like his he just (sighs) of course he died i'm just just like (sighs) (laughs) like it's one of those just like deaths where just sort of like damn of course of course what do we do now no idea we're just gonna die Apparently. Yeah. Um, and then again, there's clues clues sprinkled throughout as to why certain people are not being attacked. And I think they do it very subtly. And it's where you even as a, as a audience member are like, well, why? 
like why did that and they don't they don't dwell on it they just show like zombies running past a homeless person yeah or and and you're just like he notices it but at first you think it's just kind of a oh that's odd yeah. and then you start seeing it happen more and more and you're like oh okay and and he's doing the same thing Brad Pitt's character is doing the same thing yeah it's because it's like they do that thing where they like uh zero in on one particular thing where they, they tunnel vision it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is what they did with like the homeless man first. And then they did it uh, with the, with like the older guy out in the street and then the homeless man. And they like would show what you think would be like irrelevant, innocuous characters. And you're just like, huh, that's weird. And then you just write it off and you're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Clearly that's important because they wouldn't have like zeroed in so hard on it. Right. Yeah, especially after you've seen it one or two or three times. You're like, okay. You're like, something's fishy going on. So there's basically, so I feel like there's multiple acts in this. There's the, um, holy crap, there's zombies phase Mm -hmm. where it's him trying to survive with his family and get them to safety. And because he's this top UN, former UN agent, um, he has contacts who are like, we need you, so we'll save you. Um, and then the second part is, all right, you're going to have to go and find, you know, go with this guy who is a disease viral specialist and figure out, you know, what's causing this and why and how do we stop it. Mm-hmm. And so that's him going to different places to try and discover um, what the situation is. And then the third act is him going to a WHO convict. Um, uh, World Health Organization compound to actually try and find a vaccine or a, a thing that will stop the virus. Mm-hmm. A- and each of those could be their own, I feel like could be their own individual movies because they're all very specific and very intense. It's one thing I want to say, though, is when they go to the supermarket, right, after they get into the, the RV and then they take it and they need to get albuterol, right, for the daughter who has mm-hmm, asthma. Mm-hmm. And, like, they split up. Like, he takes the asthmatic daughter to go find the albuterol and then the other, the mom takes the youngest daughter, right? And I was like, in the midst of effing zombie apocalypse, men are still disgusting human beings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding? Like the two people that like tried to basically like, they were like attacking her. Uh, the mom in the middle yeah, of the grocery it, store. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And, and then he shoots the guy. I would shoot and, him too. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like no, no hate there. And a cop comes running in and he puts his hands up. The cop runs right past him. Cause he's a looter too. He was like, I'm not doing my cop duties, man. I need food. <laughs> Same, bro. But, like, also just, like, really? Really? We're in the midst of a zombie apocalypse where people are, like, literally dying, and your first thought is, ooh, hot woman, I'm going to attack her. Yeah. What's wrong with... It's a little ridiculous. What's wrong with people? But also, like, would totally expect that to happen. So, after all of this, like, holy crap, running from really ridiculously fast zombies, the last act, when he's in the World Health Organization compound, Mm -hmm. um, He's he's realized that because people are being 
skipped over if they have a terminal disease. Somehow the zombies know that this is somebody who's not going to be able to carry the virus because they're sick. Mm-hmm. Um, he figures, well, if we can get a terminal virus that or a terminal disease of some sort that can be cured, then we can use that. Like we can infect people with the disease. The zombies will leave them alone and then we can just cure them afterwards and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But of course, um, because we have to have more complexity than, you know, we couldn't just walk in and take the virus. It's of course in the one wing of the, of the place that has become uh, a zombie <laughs> been taken over by zombies. Yes. But we see that they're very, they're dormant. They don't move around because they haven't had any living things come by and stimulate them. So unless you make sound or they see you, they're just going to like, they're just going to chill occasionally twitch. (laughs) It's the importance of sound, right? Because they use that. That's like the one thing that was like bothering me so much about like the previous zombie movies, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's like they were making so much noise in Night of the Living Dead. I was like, y'all, like you're supposed to be quiet, like like you're banging on stuff and whatever. But like they showed that very much in like how Israel was safe mm-hmm. until everyone started making too much noise. Yeah, they were they were chanting and praying and and there was music and celebration and that celebration (laughs) did not last long. Oh no, because I'm pretty sure everyone died there. (laughs) Yeah, no, because they just walled them off. Now in the book, Israel does really well because they were basically like, I don't care if you're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, like just get your asses in here. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah. Um, They had dogs that would keep people, they would, they would identify people if they were um, sick because again, remember we were, um, in the book, we're dealing with um, uh, slow, slow changing zombies. So you get bit, and it wouldn't happen for like it would happen in a couple days. Yeah. Um, but and they even mentioned that, that there is like a five percent of the population that takes longer to turn, and that's mm-hmm. how it gets onto planes and things. Um, oh my god, the plane scene. Oh, oh, the plane scene. Zombies on planes. Terrifying. God. Terrifying. It's just like the plane scene, right? Because you went through like all the trauma, right? Of of everything that happened in Israel. And then when the girl got bit and then he like cut her hand off and you're like, well, that's horrific. But he also saved her life, right? And they get mm-hmm. on that commercial jet, like that commercial jet to fly somewhere. And and the the dog is like barking at the... Uh, at the stewardess, right at the flight, the mm-hmm. flight attendant, and she brings up the elevator thing, and then she gets bit, and then it just like turns into utter chaos and coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Everybody, be quiet! Stack all of these like suitcases in front of the thing." And then when the one fell through, and the zombie looks at them, I was like, "Oh my god, they're all gonna die!" <laughs> I was like, "Everyone's gonna die! Like this is horrific." It's terrifying. Like it, like it, it's a great scene. Like I've got to say that that is a great zombie scene. And I have a feeling we're going to get a little bit of that in the train to Busan. Oh yeah. It's kind of that, like it's that it's zombies in a very enclosed space. Cause there's nowhere for you to go because you're up in the, you're like, you know, up in the sky in a tube, like mm-hmm. it only takes one. Right. That's all it takes. And it's 
like I know he like he like blows off the side of the plane and like all the zombies get sucked down and like but bro and then like when they like crash or whatever and he only has that like I mean only he has that like piece of the plane that's like through his side. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <sighs> Man, terrifying. Terrifying. It's a it's a great scene. Um, the other thing that's absolutely terrifying is when they are okay. So again, another great thing about this movie is that they have the fast zombies, but they have slow zombie moments. Yes. When they're sneaking through um, the World Health Organization compound, the they they're trying to sneak around the zombies because if they're not seen and they're not heard, the zombies won't get riled up. Yeah. And so it gives you that slow waiting for jaws to attack kind oh, of anxiety. Like just, oh. oh God, so much anxiety. And the creepiest thing I think I have ever seen in any zombie movie is when he takes the, he, you know, he finally gets into the place where all the, the deadly viruses are. He infects himself with something and he steps out to where there's this lone zombie and it doesn't attack him because he's got the virus, this, this disease, but he's, he's like chomping, like he's clacking his jaw together. And it is so disturbing. Cause he's doing it the whole time, right? Where he's in there, like pulling stuff out of the, um, the, uh, the different things and putting them all in like one place. And Mm -hmm. the zombie is like outside of the door and he was like jarring into it, but he does the like whole like thing he's like chopping yeah. his teeth together and he's like looking up and he does he does it so well it's just like i need the noms you're the noms get over here yeah and the like the guy who does it i, I know i know the special effects sound like there's there's fully going on there i do realize that it is not just him yeah but that actor and the chompiness oh <laughs> it's just like because he has like one goal in mind he was like there's a person that's moving around in there and i can see them and i want to nom on that and i can't get into the noms yeah yeah it's it's oh it's so freaky i remember just just getting just cringes because of that it's just, um it's like is it gonna work is it not gonna work is he gonna die is he not gonna die like <laughs> so much anxiety now Completely unrelated. One of the one of the actresses, the the one who plays the scientist in um, in the Who compound, uh, mm-hmm. the actress's name is Ruth Nega, mm-hmm. and I think she is just one of the coolest actresses to watch on screen. There's just something about her that anytime I see her on screen, I'm just like, I want to be your friend. <laughs> Okay. She's got this very sweet, kind fa- Like, I just, I absolutely love the actress. I've seen a bunch of stuff that she's done. She was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where she played a bad guy, and you still were like, you're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, just love that actress. Just had to say that. She's just awesome. <laughs> okay. <gasps> I had to have a little fanboy moment. Um, but yeah, so this, like, overall, so they, they you know, they, they create a virus, so they make the, the soldiers invisible. And I love the scene of, like, people who've been vaccinated, like, walking through zombie hordes. So mm-hmm. freaky. <laughs> so freaky. It's, it's kind of cool how they, like, because once they figure out that they can, like, that it's the terminal disease, right, that makes mm. you uh, basically, like, invisible, they create a like innocuous version of a 
like terminal disease where like you don't actually get sick, but it makes the zombies think you get sick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are terminal. So you become invisible and then they just sort of like die off eventually. Yeah. So interesting. Like it's, I, I completely agree with Max Brooks. It's not his book. No, it's not anything near his book. It has nothing to do with like, like the, the bones of the book are there, but it has nothing to do with the book and the, but it is still a very solid, very good, very terrifying zombie movie. It, it uses a lot of different zombie movie aspects, right? Like mm-hmm, you get different mm-hmm. parts of the book are just like casually mentioned in it, but it uses it. It shows that the zomb- zombies are more um, spread by like a plague more than anything. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, like, how quickly it can spread. Um, especially, like, if you aren't paying attention to what's going on around you and, like, how important it is to get the full picture, right? Because if you hadn't mm-hmm. noticed mm-hmm. that the that it was going around specific kind of people, that they probably never would have arrived at that conclusion that, oh, you know, if we like pretend that we're terminally ill, like we won't get eaten by zombies. Yeah. So. It's it, like whoever even comes up with that as a plot point. Cause that's not in the book. <laughs> like somebody <laughs> had to sit there and go, okay, I've got the reason why um, we saved these people. It's like, they don't attack people who have terminal illness. I'm like, story-wise, I think that's pretty amazing. Like, I think that's brilliant. It, it really takes the, the whole concept of zombies to like a different level right Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it makes them more like instead of being these like single-minded creatures right i mean to a point they are single-minded but also like the virus in itself thinks Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. it's looking for a healthy living host to exist and spread but then at the very in in the end like it will die off because there won't be any healthy living hope potential hosts left. Right. So in its effort to survive, it's actually killing itself in the same fashion. Yeah. Interesting. It is very cool. Um, I'm going to move over to Lyle's uh, thoughts on world war Z because he has shared with us his um, thoughts on both the audiobook and the movie. Does he like so, email these to you or what? He sends them to me on Slack. Oh, okay. He like he pri- DMs. Yeah, he pri- yeah, he DMs gotcha. me in Slack. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's kind of our thing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not involved in the thing, even though I'm part of the podcast. Lyle, well, don't, this way don't you send can- me these messages. <laughs> Um, so he says the interview style of storytelling really stood out. I know this isn't unique, but it is a good way to naturally bring in a lot of perspectives by having such a diverse cast. We get a timeline from multiple perspectives and a lot of lore and details without exposition, without an exposition dump. This didn't feel like listening to a zombie movie. It felt like listening to a bunch of different people describe bits and pieces about surviving one. Absolutely. I especially love all the various slang terms that get established. Yeah. Everybody has little slightly different forms of what they call zombies. I think they did that in um, the walking dead too. Like depending on what group of people you ended up settling down with, they all different terms for, for zombies. 
Feel bad um, for anybody named Zach or Zeke. Yes, anybody named Zach. Yeah. Um. One question: Why the hell do abridged versions of things even exist, and why aren't they labeled as such? I wasted six hours on the abridged version before, uh, before I found out that there was a full version. And yes, I consider the short version the waste of time after having listened to both. The full version fills in so much more, both in internal back references and in lore. I agree, and I again apologize. I completely forgot that there was a six-hour version. Um, but as I said before, there there are reasons why it exists, but not maybe the best reasons. <laughs> at least at this point, they should just kind of like remove them. <laughs> We've got a better version. We'll just take this back. Um, and he says, plus the cast is, oh, the cast. So very good. So yeah, that's his thought on the book. And yep. I could not agree I could not agree more. Um, World War Z, this looks and sounds like Ocean's 11, 12, 13 Brad Pitt. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> the only difference is that he's not eating the whole time. Right. Uh, okay, more fast zombies. Scary fast zombies. I'm shocked at how fast society breaks down here. There's no slow crush, no disbelief, just instant anarchy and not the progressive social kind. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Uh, this is, again, more action horror and less psychological. This is just a totally different story. The book's DNA is here, but in a very unusual way. I compl- that's a very good way of putting it, that the book's DNA is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jerusalem scene specifically seems to mix the classic innumerable horror of slow zombies horror with the jump intensity scares of more modern stuff. I yep. would agree. How does one guy get himself into and out of so many situations? He is a magician. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. Uh, And then insert snakes on a plane gift, but zombies. Oh my God. That is so, (laughs) I'm tired of these mother effing snakes on this mother effing plane. (laughs) Truth. Okay, so who exactly is this guy? They said he's an investigator, but what does he even mean? He can just go anywhere and also figure out everything out. Cool. That's literally, he, yeah. There's no, yeah. There's no context for like what his actual job is. It's just like he worked for the UN and people just believe him. Yeah, obviously he's done some good stuff because people <laughs> people are like, this guy's the guy. Really? Like no other, no, this guy right here. <laughs> this is the one. He's your man. He's your man. Okay, cool. As soon as you lose touch with your bro- your boy, you kick that fam out to the curb. I was so <laughs> angry about that. They're like, we haven't heard from him in five minutes. He's clearly dead. Like, no, yeah, his so we phone can't keep died. you here anymore. Like you're taking phone- out. You're taking. You're taking up valuable bunks. <laughs> oh my god! They just they kicked them out to Nova Scotia so quick. They're like deuces. Yes, he says, okay, cool. As soon as you lose touch with your boy, you kick his fam out to the curb. Uh, He's going to be Brad pissed. <laughs> oh, my. Lyle, <laughs> oh, you need to have is. words about your. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Your Brad dad jokes. Use that. <laughs> oh, the doctor. Things will get better now. <laughs> nope. This does, does seem like we're getting a rules dump much like the book. Yeah, the the once they get to the World Health Organization 
we do get a lot of zombie rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, leaving that axe is going to be a mistake. <laughs> it actually turned out okay. It turned out all right. Um, are we sure this guy isn't Elliot Spencer? I don't get this reference. Elliot Spencer? Mm-hmm. Sure. He- Wait, which person? Is he referring um, to? Maybe Brad Pitt? Elliot Spencer. I looked it up. I couldn't figure it out. I just—he's a com- comedian. Yeah, that's. I'm wondering if there's a different Elliot, Elliot Spencer. Uh, Lyle, we need we need an explanation of this comment. <laughs> I'm confused. Uh, then he says, in all caps, "Oh, a vaccine, and everyone is just taking it." <laughs> Do your research, sheeple. <laughs> Um, and then he says so much sarcasm. <laughs> maybe he's talking about the character from Leverage. Oh, yes. Because he's a huge Leverage fan. Okay. Yes. Yes. That makes so much more sense. Okay. Because when, we, <laughs> cause, cause when I look up Elliot Spencer, what I get is some young comedian guy who apparently is in a relationship with a guy who is 30 years his senior oh Stephen fry that, yeah yeah Stephen fry so that's all that comes up and i'm like what uh you just have to add character at the end so you do elliot spencer character and um christian kane's character from leverage is the first thing that pops up yes no i and and um lyle is a huge leverage fan and i absolutely yes Yes, you're right. He is totally, totally Elliot Spencer. Um, He then goes on to say, I still think slower zombies are better, but this is still a good movie, but the book was better. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So, that was World War Z. Not bad. As we go through this, I feel like I need to do a comparative media literature class somewhere about zombie fiction. I feel like this is, there's so much in here that you can like dig into. I took a media criticisms class in grad school. It was kind of similar. I have also used um, the MCU movies Mm -hmm. to teach plot because you can literally like every movie has a plot, but you can, um, there's a, uh, book out there called save the cat, which kind of outlines how you should structure your story for a screenplay. Mm -hmm. And like, you can literally drop in. If you just look at the, the Thor movies, the captain America movies and the Iron Man movies and the Avengers movies, and you take out some of like the doctor strange and the, the extra ones, Mm -hmm. you can plot out the movies completely using that, that system across all the movies, literally to the point where um, you've got Iron Man and Captain America and the first Avengers telling the other person what their theme is, and then realizing that theme in Endgame. It's it's insane how, and I I, I don't know that the people who made these are aware of this, but you can literally just plot into this formula the whole movie franchise it's 
it's nuts. It's it's very interesting, um, like that kind of stuff, like how people can research media, and like you can uh, basically like pull out different themes about stuff. Like in the class that I took, our big project at the end of the year was we had to like basically do like a presentation and write a paper about a piece of media, and then use some of the concepts that we learned. Mm-hmm. And mine was um, feminism and vigilanteism in Arrow. Ooh. Yeah. And so I talked about uh, one of the big papers that I uh, read. Um, I forget who wrote it, but the title of the paper, it was called Warrior Women in Thongs. That's what it was called. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But it basically talked about how um, how women in like franchises like that, like Buffy, Xena, um, in Arrow and stuff like that, how they use their sexuality and their fem- their femininity as a weapon, mm-hmm. but it doesn't detract away from their character. Mm-hmm. And I did like kind of an analysis of like the first six episodes of season, uh, of season two of Arrow talking about like violence and vigilantism. And then also talking about the use of like women in those shows, in the show and how like different that particular show is because a lot of it is shot from the female gaze versus like mm-hmm. the male gaze for arrow. Cause like Oliver is shirtless for like 90% of that show for like no reason. <laughs> yes. Well, there, yes, there is reason. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> there is very important reason. <laughs> yeah. But like, there's just times where it's like, Oh, he's shooting a bow and arrow, but he's shirtless. I'm like, but why? But it was very. We're not not saying put it back on. (laughs) We're just curious as to why. We're just curious (laughs) as to why. Um, My presentation was really great, and I got to present it at a conference. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So okay, I have a I have a um, yes uh, Stephen Amell story. A couple actually, but um, so apparently he comes out to Palm Springs quite often, (gasps) and I got a text message from my husband a couple of years ago when I was at like a school function mm-hmm. and he had gone to um, a really swanky restaurant out here called Wally's desert turtle with my in-laws. Okay. And, and he sends me a text. Stephen Amell is sitting at the table next to ours. I was so pissed. So pissed. <laughs> Stephen Amell is very pretty. He's very pretty. So, um, that is the reason um, why our dog is named Ollie. Yes. Because he is named after that character. And then just Friday, so two days ago, um, my friend Brian, who used to host the Average Geek Show, sends me a message on Facebook that says, Go, Joe, go, and a video. And so I click on the video, and it is Steve Amell at our BevMo signing bottles of his wine brand. I think it's his wine brand. Oh yeah. Yeah. He went into the, the BevMo and just without asking anybody just goes and, and signs and puts bottles back. And I was like, Matt, I know we're supposed to be going to dinner with friends in a second, but we need to go to BevMo right now. (laughs) Did you get one? I did not. I have a feeling that whoever's working whoever worked there saw it happen or their friend sent them a message and said, go get these. And now they're on eBay. But, um, but yeah, we did definitely run over. I wasn't going to go. I wasn't going to. And then Matt was like, well, what will it hurt? So the two of us ran over to see if we could get them. 
it's called like knocking point or something. His one, um, I think. Something like that. It's like it begins with a B. Big point. Big. Wait, they sell it at Bevmo. Yeah, I've always wanted to try his wine. I almost got a subscription to like, like Wine of the Month Club or whatever, just so I could try it. Yeah, yeah, it's a Bevmo. Hush. <laughs> what am I doing today? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so yeah, so we love Stephen Mill. Um, Do. although I was, I was reading through the comments cause we were trying to figure out when he sent the video cause it didn't uh-huh. have a timestamp and it had been, I think four hours earlier. That's part of the reason why I didn't get it. Uh-huh. But, um, but somebody goes, <laughs> I'm reading the comment and somebody goes, Robbie's better. <laughs> it's like, ouch. <laughs> the literal audacity. <laughs> My, Okay. Uh, this is a complete tangent, but my favorite story from Stephen Amell is one time when he was in New York, he went to a Starbucks to get some coffee ground, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he goes in and uh, picks out, you know, a pound of coffee or whatever, and he wanted to get it ground. But apparently the grinding machine at that particular Starbucks was broken. And uh, the lady didn't realize, like who he was but somebody mm-hmm. else that was working at the same time like knew that it was him like that it was like that's oliver queen like that's Stephen amell and he goes he goes i've never been <laughs> more like shocked and embarrassed but also like excited at the same time because the the lady was like i'm so sorry like blah blah, blah. and he goes what are you talking about he was like that's oliver queen he was like he was like we have to grind this coffee for him we'll take care of it for you mr queen don't you worry <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, what? <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, yeah, he's good people. He's good people. And I need to run into him when he's out here. Because again, he comes out here quite often. I think he has a house. Oh my God, that makes me really happy. Yeah, I want to. I need to run into him. And I still haven't run into um, what's his face from... Um, Oh, all the things. Um, gay guy, Doctor Who plays the captain. Oh, um, uh, John Barrowman. Yeah, I haven't run into him, and he lives out here too. Yes, he does with his husband. Yes, I. You should have definitely like. Oh man, I don't know if I was like close with you or not during that time, but he was having like giant garage sales at his house to get rid of like some of his Doctor Who memorabilia. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think I don't think we were friends at that time. Because oh my god! No, I don't know, know anything about that. We get all the celebs out here. Like uh, there was an article a couple years ago about how um um oh, what's his name? He's one of the Ryans. Um, Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. No, the other one, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Um totally found somebody's dog like their dog had gotten out and so he grabbed the dog and he walked the dog back to the guy's house and like rang the doorbell and like oh hey found your dog like what do you do when ryan gosling shows up with your dog at your front door (laughs) like invite him in for coffee obviously obviously (laughs) that's ridiculous what is wrong with you of course you invite him in you're like hello thank you for bringing my dog home i repay you with Whatever you want. You want to watch a movie? With, with alcohol, coffee, 
and good conversation. <laughs> any, any, Tell me everything about your life. It's so nice to meet you, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> what are your thoughts about the Ryan meme? The Hey Girl meme. Please tell me. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else we need to think about as far? We got totally off tangent. but that's Yeah, okay. we did. Uh, uh, it was a fun tangent. Um, any, any other thoughts on World War Z in any way, shape, or form? Um, both book. Book is very, very good. Movie on its own, not just happened to share the same name as the book. Still pretty good. Still pretty good. Absolutely. All right. So next week, next week's going to be a weird week, folks. It's not going to be as comparative as just because of how things landed. So we're doing 28 days later. So fast zombies. I think it was the first fast zombies. If yes. I'm correct. And, um, and then Shaun of the dead. And I feel by the time you've watched 28 days later, you will have everything based on what we've given you. Um, so far, you will have everything you need to know to thoroughly enjoy Shaun of the Dead, which is just a brilliant movie. I think it'll be perfect, like the way that it ended up working out, because 28 Days Later is so serious and terrifying. And then Shaun of the Dead is just trope-filled and hilarious. Yeah, it's a complete opposite ends of the spectrum. I I do think 28 Days Later is probably the scariest movie. Like I don't know I don't know about the the last two that we have cuz I've never seen them before, mm-hmm. but up until then 28 Days Later is the scariest movie on this list. Uh yes, cuz I haven't seen Train to Busan, but I believe that movie is pretty frightening. Yeah, it looks pretty terrifying. Um so yeah. All right. Uh where's my show notes? All the, uh, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the Geek to Geek Network. Check out other Geek to Geek shows such as the Geek to Geek podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney Forever, You Can't Stop Me Loving K pop, The Nerdberg Review, JRPGs and Me, Dragon Quest FM, As the Dice Roll, Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, and Sometimes Rob and our newest podcast, Farming Simulated. And I'm going to go do a special As the Dice Roll pitch. If you haven't listened to As the Dice Roll yet, please go listen to it. Like, Give us some love, because I feel like we do good work, and I really would like more people to know about it. So, you know, if it's not your thing, but you know somebody who likes actual plays, say, hey, I know these people, and they've got an actual play, and you might like it. So, little promo. Also, check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J, Bamashox, Twiddle Power, and, and Geen. And make sure to join us in Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. Um, have been loving the conversations that we've been having in both the Geektitude and As the Dice Roll chats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grace. Katie, where can we find you? Um, if you want to follow me personally for all your uh, K-pop, coffee, cats, politics, football, um, you can follow me at Lady Catherine P on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also, I am on, well, all the podcasts. So, like half of them. <laughs> 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 Which all have social media. So, uh, 
uh, Tea Time with Casey on Instagram and Twitter, and then uh, Loving K Pop Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and then Disney Forever Instagram, Twitter, As the Dice Roll Instagram and Twitter. You know, the places. Yes. All right. That's it. Thank you again for joining me. I know it was early for you this morning, especially because you were concerning it up all night. Um, but this has been so much fun. I'm really glad we're doing this. Me too. And for the rest of you out there, remember this week, keep it geek. <laughs> <laughs>